Well, welcome everyone to this episode of Drive Through HR. And we're continuing with our series, uh, Introduction to HR Tech for HR Professionals. I'm your host, Robin Schooling, and I'm pleased, very pleased to welcome our guests for this episode uh, because both of them have extensive experience working with HR technology for global organizations and with HR and talent teams of all sizes. So today we'll be talking about rollout and adoption of HR tech and, and specifically discussing strategies for successful implementation. Lots of uh, stories, I think, that we'll hear on this one. So joining me today, uh, everyone, please uh, welcome our guests. We have Aaron Perry, who's the Senior Vice President for Solution Design and Implementation with Cielo and Caleb Fullhart, our returning guest, who's the Senior Vice President of Technology Consulting, also with Cielo. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Happy to be back. Happy. At least I say that now. <laughs> happy, to, happy to have you back. You, you know, you're gonna be a co-host soon, Caleb. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't think the world's ready for anything remotely close to that. Well, yeah, that, that may be very well, very well true. Um, so let's uh, let's dive right in, shall we? Uh, and talk about you know the end game, which is really to have a successful implementation of whatever technology it is that one is implementing. Uh, and you know, I think one of the first steps really is you know the a pre-step in many ways, right? It's the preparation of of stakeholders and users, uh, you know, getting getting folks ready for this rollout of of a new solution. So let me let me throw this first question uh, right to you, Aaron, and, and get you right into the into the pool with us. Um, what are what are some strategies that that HR professionals should use, and particularly, I guess, when we think about communication strategies? to manage expectations and get get these stakeholders prepared. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the biggest things that um, get underestimated and don't get enough time and attention is the change management, mm -hmm. planning and strategy as part of your technology implementation or transition. Um, getting that started up front early and gaining buy-in is one of the key ways to ensure that you'll have um, adoption. And I mean, honestly, what you want is you want to educate um, all of your end users on why you're making this change, what's the value for them, what's in it for them. Then you really want to get their buy-in, make sure they understand what is going to change, how it's going to change, when it's going to change, um, really highlighting for them the enhancements that will happen. And, you know, with many technologies, there could be things that they're used to or that they like that will go away in a new yeah. technology. So being really transparent with that piece of information really helps with people, um, their confidence in what you're doing, um, as well as their ability to adopt. You want to move everybody from kind of that baseline knowledge and understanding 
to believing in the change that they're undertaking. Mm -hmm. And then you want some of those folks to start actioning against it, right? And those are your real change agents in your organization. And those are the individuals that are really going to help drive adoption across your business to make sure that this investment is something Mm -hmm. that is successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's such a fascinating point you made because I think it's something we often miss when we're in-house and we're rolling something out. And that is that transparency around what is going away as well, because there might have been a process, a workflow, a aspect to the to the tech that you know Sally end user just absolutely loved. And and is going to miss it uh, because the new solution doesn't either have the same thing or do things in quite the same way. Right. Um, the new solution may just do it a different way for them. Yeah. But honestly, this is also a great opportunity to assess how individuals are working mm. and the experience in which they are um, driving for their stakeholders, for the candidates and talent that you're engaging with, and of course themselves as individuals that have to work in a technology. Mm. Um, but once you start taking away things or changing things that people are really used to, um, you will soon identify that maybe they're spending their time on non-value activities and they think they're really good at them. And when you start to move your um, team, your strategy, your technology, and start to elevate that and ask different things from your team, because you now have a technology that takes over some of those administrative tactical pieces of the puzzle. It's a really interesting time to look at the talent that is on your team and make sure that they are working smarter, that they are able to elevate into these new tasks. And and oftentimes people, you know, they're going to opt out because this transformation is hard. People don't like change. The more you can set the right expectations up front, the more people will know when and how they have the decisions that they need to make in order to either get on board um, or transition to different roles. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of, you know, I'm thinking about that finding out how people are working now, right? That That's a key part of it. And as you mentioned, Erin, we're kind of learning that at this prep stage of of the process. Um, Caleb, what have you found, you know, in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of implementations that you've done over the years or worked on over the years? Yeah. Um, when's a good time to really take a look at that current state of of workflows and process and, and to start that learning yeah. of how people work? Yeah, we usually do that in the foundational meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you kick off a project, you have the, you know, you name it something fun, Operation Blackbriar, whatever. Um, and then, you know, you start, you know, laying out the scope and the framework. And, you know, if, if the assessment of the, the tools are done and you know which one you're going with, then then it's when you start talking about the, the current process. I think, you know, it as it relates to this topic from a technology side, the this is you do it in the foundational meetings and then it doesn't get talked to again until they're ready to go live. And they realize that there's been zero change management. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that is, and I think we talked about this on the last episode. It's like, it's such a huge critical piece to success, but it's often the one that's just, Oh, we'll figure it out. Oh, we'll figure it out. And it, it becomes painful yeah. because once you go live, everything's the system's fault, right? It's broken. 
And then I get a phone call. It's broken. <laughs> exactly how you asked for it. He is here. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's, it is. Companies would save a ton of money if they put more emphasis on change management. And, and like Aaron said, the things that are coming and the things that are going away and how they use them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's less repeat work, less frustration, less angst um, on your teams. If you start talking about it at the beginning, I don't care if the project's 18 months long for implementation, keep talking about it. Don't let people forget. Because if the moment you stop talking, they go right back to the, you know, current state and that's where their brain is going to live. Yeah. Well, and it's that reinforcement that comes later as well, which I think we'll get to. And I'll say just to piggyback on what Caleb said from that foundation meeting, one of the things that we find um, is a miss is not inviting that cross section of individuals. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we just have tech people implementing tech people without the true understanding of the experience that they're driving, the impact to end users. And that's really the foundation of a great change management strategy and plan Mm -hmm. as well. So making sure you've got the right people in the room that can have differing opinions and differing experiences experiences to create and drive the right outcome. Yeah. And I, I, I found as well, it's, um, it's yes, those change agents, the ones who will be kind of your ambassadors through the process, uh, those end users who will be your champions, but it's also, I think that cross-section early on needs to include the folks that you anticipate will be the detractors. Absolutely. Pull your biggest squeaky wheels into this conversation and get their buy-in because at the end of the day, people who are always great champions in your organization, of course, they have people that listen to them. Of course, they have individuals that respect them. But if you can gain the buy-in of your squeaky wheel, wow, that impact is absolutely incredible when you know and you personally know that you've done something right from a change program as well. My favorite squeaky wheel who will never listen to this episode so I can say his name. His name was Jerry. And I can still remember him sitting at a at a at a, a, a pre-rollout planning meeting. And um, but I knew I anticipated pretty much everything he was gonna ask and say. So I felt very prepared when when faced with him. Did he disappoint? He did not disappoint at all. <laughs> and, and and his best line, because I'll never forget it, was um because this was a this was a fair this was a while ago. Which when I tell you the technology, you'll say, good lord. Um, but it was it, this was a while ago taking some still somewhat manual and or PDF form-ish. Uh, processes and, you know, uh, bringing in a, a, some technology solutions kind of, you know, can really do this transformation of a lot of the HR functions and um, bringing in some user, um, you know, employee self-serve and manager self-serve and things like that to this organization for the first time. And, and his biggest question was, so what, so if we get all this stuff, what are you all going to do in HR? So... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was HR stuff. Yeah, that was the best. Get some time um, to do our actual jobs, yeah, right? right? Exactly. Um, so part of that, you know, part of that, um, working towards that eventual effective uh, adoption and and driving 
driving that change is um, thinking about support programs and training programs um, that one can put into put into place to to make sure we get there. So what what sort of training and support programs should we think about? Um, and kind of what are the underlying strategies behind that? Is there are there rewards to be given? Should we think about gamifying things, having contests? What what are some things you've seen that have been successful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first piece of it is foundationally making sure that you have a robust communication plan and strategy that's consistent in its messaging. But mm -hmm. also in today's day and age, it has to be kind of multimedia. So really making sure that you're communicating people in the lanes that they are um, wanting their information, right? Some people yeah. want something via email. Some individuals want a very short video. So making sure that you understand the kind of how things are communicated within your organization and where people do go to learn more um, is really critical component. Once you get to kind of the training and adoption part of your change management strategy and plan, same foundation, right? Making sure that you're offering individuals different ways of learning. We have a multi-generational workforce and the concepts of adult learning is actually different for every single one of those generations. So being able to offer office hours so people can pop in, tiny little video vignettes on where the key changes are so people can just go see it, standard operating procedures for those who like to read a manual, um, hands-on learning, um, live trainings, the combination of all those pieces are where you're going to help your adoption practices. Mm -hmm. And then post go live, making sure that you still hold office hours, that you have things recorded for people to self-serve, that everybody knows where to go to get this information. And from an adoption practice, it's even more tactical really dedicating resource or resources to do daily audits of your system, make sure that it's following what you want it to follow, the process, the outcomes, whatever it might be, and putting together action plans to correct or course correct with immediacy and that feedback loop out into uh, your stakeholder group, also critically important from an adoption perspective. Mm -hmm. Seen a lot of organizations um, do some gamification, um, lots of, you know, trivias and um, bingos and um, live interaction. Um, it, it can be successful in certain cultures. Other people find it a waste of time. So again, uh -huh. really assessing your um, specific culture and, and what you're trying to achieve with it. And we've definitely seen kind of monetary rewards, not huge amounts, but gift cards, you know, uh, swag, whatever it is for, you know, users who are adopting the fastest or having greatest impact, things like that, mm -hmm. or complete all their training modules first. Um, so lots of different ways to incentivize. Um, but I would say that 90% of the organizations I've worked with through this process don't do any incentivization. That's a word. Yeah. Um, and they they really just are focused on making sure that they're communicating why we have to do this, what we're expecting the outcome to be, 
why it's going to be valuable to you, and then just tracking that adoption and get, getting buy-in. Those feedback loops are really important. And I would also recommend don't wait to the end to do a satisfaction survey because you mm. can't fix anything then. You have to get in pulse checks as you go. Do people understand why we're making a change once it's live? Do you understand the system? Is it doing what we said it would? Is it creating the value that you anticipated? You have to do those things as you go along because you cannot um, fix them after the fact. Mm -hmm. Speak to that a little bit, Caleb, as well, that concept of the pulse checks and, and doing yeah. that throughout that implementation process and and, and then post go live. What, what have you found with, um, you know, kind of that feedback loop as as you're getting ready for deployment and or post go live. I've found that it doesn't happen as often as it should. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, when we're on the tech side, we're typically working with one stakeholder and, you know, maybe a couple of users, maybe mm -hmm. a couple of users. And we're going through, you know, we, we spend a lot of time up front doing design, get our design documents, getting sign off on our design documents. And then we go into this little black hole where we do configuration for the next three months, right? Yeah. Like, and we'll do the, we have our weekly check-ins and project managers telling us, you know, hey, you're doing this right and you suck at this, so fix this kind of a thing. But it, it's, um, there is not enough of that, um, you know, we have user testing, we have end-to-end -end testing, we have user acceptance testing, unit test, you know, there's all these testing, but it's 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 not done in a it, most companies struggle with it because it's they all have their own jobs to do. Right. And so you're saying, hey, here, learn something new really, really quick, and then tell me what you think about it. Right. And 90% of the response is it's fine. And then they go on to, you know, payroll runs off to payroll, benefits runs to benefits, you know, and recruiting runs to TA. Like it, they scatter back to their normal jobs because they want to get it done. Mm -hmm. If it was built in better and that expectation was communicated like, hey, you get your you get a half day, shut down everything else and just yeah. focus on that and then do the feedback yeah. um, in more real time. I know we talked about this in one of the other episodes. It's like that war room approach yeah. everybody's sitting around a table and they're just the feedback that happens purely conversationally like oh this is stupid you know this part's this is really clunky i don't like that oh we can change that or no we yeah. can't but here's a better way of approaching it is is huge i mean that, that from a company cost savings perspective of rework it it's huge if that's yeah. how it operates yeah it just doesn't operate that way enough yeah and that's certainly one of the factors that feed into, you know, at the end of the day, the the success or non-success of that that change management process that that one is going through, um, and and that's time. But you know, I think other factors that probably affect change management um, during during implementation process are as we've spoken to already, kind of resistance from individuals or, or teams um, and the need to promote buy-in as well. So how do you, how do you manage change and, and specifically what steps should one take to minimize resistance um, and promote buy-in, you know, during, during that implementation process? 
Yeah. I mean, it really does go back to that communication piece of the puzzle. You need, um, you need buy-in from the top down and everybody has to be saying the same thing. And I think one of the key components to that is making sure that your executive leadership, senior leadership, whatever it is, really understand the impact that this is going to have. And they can't just say, oh, well, it's just a better technology. They really have to have that buy-in and be able to articulate that. That sense of confidence is what's going to give the rest of the organization confidence in these decisions. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you really have to um, think about the voice of the customer as well. So that those feedback loops, really important, making sure that, um, again, you've got a good cross-section and you you hear where people are happy with what they have today, unhappy with what they have today. And people do voice the customer sessions a lot, and then they don't do anything with that information. Uh-huh. Or if they do, they don't close the loop with the individuals that were part of the voice of customer session. Uh-huh. So that's just the really critical missing link often that going back to individuals and saying, hey, here's the laundry list of things you didn't like. Here's what the new system is going to be able to fix for you. And here's some leftover stuff that honestly, we're going to have to take into consideration and fix a different way, or was outside of the scope, or is going to be phase two, whatever that is. The more information that you can share back, the more people feel that they've heard, mm-hmm. the more likely they are going to commit to what you've done and help you succeed. Yeah. And then just making sure you're monitoring for that lasting change. We got to make it stick, right? Oftentimes, and it's a really expensive uh, mistake, um, people implement these um, technologies or add-ons or plugins that are seemingly going to solve all their problems. Um, And they potentially could if they were built correctly, if they met the needs of the individuals. And most importantly, you properly trained, educate, and help your end users adopt and hold them accountable. So if it's a system that has some accountability measures, that KPIs that they need to achieve, then holding individuals accountable really does ensure adoption. Mm -hmm. Listening to their feedback all through the way, of course, you have to make it stick. Otherwise, you've got a very um, expensive piece of technology that's not doing anything. Yeah. And I think- Thinking about measuring measuring the success of that rollout and and kind of to the KPIs behind that. Um, let me throw this one to you, Caleb, to start with. Um, how do you measure the success of a technology rollout? Um, what are the KPIs that should be tracked? And of course, it's going to vary. I only have one organization, organization, but you know, in general, which. Uh, what should an organization look at to say this is these are the KPIs that are going to be this is how we're going to determine what's important and what success means to us? Yeah, I have one KPI. I don't get a phone call or an email or a text <laughs> broken. The only one I have. Um, but you know, from an organizational standpoint, it, it's you know, there's a reason you bought the tool, right? Yeah. You go through an assessment and you say you wanted to do X, Y, Z. So what you said you wanted to do is what you should measure. And you should look at, you know, the adoption of those key things, because every company, you know, we do assessments for clients on their HR tech stack. And, and, you know, there are different criteria for each company. 
right? Like you make a target. Like this is, these are the things that we want. Um, you can't see me, but make a target, right? And like the things that are on target to what they want are the tools that you should be implementing and solutioning around where the things that are way outside the target, don't even bother messing with them because they're not going to give you what you want yeah, um, or what you need. So I think whatever is in your center part of the target is what your KPI should be looking at. And you can, you can measure anything. There's a, I mean, there's a book that says it and I read it three times and it's smart, but you can, you can figure out a way to measure those KPIs across your organization that are meaningful. Mm-hmm. And if something's falling out, like it's, it, it's not, it's not doing what you would expected it to have a, a governance process where you can talk through those things. Like, okay, is, is it a tool issue? Is it a configuration issue? Is it a process issue? Or is it just people don't like it? You yeah. know, and not using it, right? Like those are all factors that can come into play on anything that you're implementing. So I, I think it's um, it's not a straightforward answer, but for each organization, they can decide. They should know what it is that they want out of the tool and measure against those things. Yeah, and 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 certainly the other you know other KPIs to measure are some of the things, Aaron, that you've already talked about, which is uh, kind of the user not the technology KPIs so much as the user adoption KPIs. Um, yeah. So how, how do we measure that? Yeah, it's definitely some of the softer stuff that can um, kind of make or break some of these decisions. Um, to Caleb's point, every tech, every organization is going to have a different, you know, set of criteria that they're measuring against. Um and I have found this to be true several times over my tenure um, with Cielo the last 16 years. Um, perception trumps reality mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> and your system or process might be doing exactly what you intended it to be. But if you haven't taken the time to go through change management, to listen to the end users, they are angry, you have moved their cheese, they would like their cheese back, they are going to find a hill to die on the one time it didn't work because we had a little glitch, they'll bring that up for six months, Right, we've already fixed that. Years. Um, it goes right back to those feedback loops and, and education. And, and, you know, as you identify individuals that are stuck on that hill, it is one-on-one one time with them. It is taking the time and effort to meet with them, to understand their expectations, where you're missing that mark and getting them to that buy-in. Mm. It's easier to do it collectively, but there is always going to be individuals that cannot make it through the change curve. And that change curve is steeper for some. And if you don't have a change management plan, it's really steep. Um, but helping them get through that change curve is, is really important. Yeah. And so there's, you think of those, um, resistant users for want of a better word. Um, and it might be a, it might be a skill thing, or it might be a, um, you know, is it a matter of can they, or won't they, you know, can they, or will they kind of a thing. Um, and so they're giving, they're giving feedback, they're giving suggestions, um, but it's a different kind of feedback and suggestion. How do you uh, kind of during the, the the rollout process, during the here we are, or hey, we've gone live, what, whatever point in that rollout process, how do you address with kind of these different groups of users, their feedback, their suggestions? Um, 
how do you make sure you're taking it into account? Yeah, I mean, depending on the organization's size, there are different ways that you can can do this. Um, we use a lot of surveys, and if you have any, um, you know, negative comments, etc., it's a follow up one on one. Um, we do some of our organizations publish their parking lot items, and it very clearly says this is on the roadmap. This is not something that can ever happen with this particular technology, or this doesn't have anything to do with our technology or process. So that transparency is going to be able to achieve what isn't going to be achieved, whether it's monetary constrictions, resource constrictions, technology constrictions, whatever it is, being very transparent with individuals Mm. so they know I was heard. Yeah. We still can't do anything. Now I just got to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything she just said. (laughs) (laughs) There's my response. Times a million. Right. You're here. The (laughs) other thing that I have seen actually be quite successful is setting up a um, a, a steering committee or a council. Um, At the beginning, you meet more frequently. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing from your colleagues and peers? What do you want to see change, et cetera? And then understanding and kind of working through the noise post go live and then six months a year checking in seeing where we need to calibrate making sure the expectations are set have you heard or seen anything new is this making your life better mm-hmm. and, and you know that's an interesting point too because I think there's another lost opportunity um that that's fairly common in that, you know, we're all aiming for that go live date, right? Go live, go live. Here we go. Oh, we got through hypercare, whatever. Yay, here we are. And then it sort of falls off. Mm-hmm. And so that that steering committee concept of, okay, we're going to do a postmortem, if you will, you know, every quarter or in six months or a year from now, I, I think keeping it on the calendar in that way is... And committing to it. And right? committing to it. Yeah. Um, we've also seen some really good success in just continuously sharing success stories. Mm-hmm. So if you're implementing a technology or replacing a technology where you had certain um, SLAs or KPIs that, you, hey, historically it took us this long to do X. With our new system, it takes us this long to do X. So doing a little summary, newsletter, intranet, whatever it is, to share the successes um, of of what you've undertook is also really impactful. People need to have their full education. It can't just always be about the negative things that we're fixing, the amount of tickets that we have, all that um, kind of noise. But hey, this is doing what we intended it to do. Uh We are seeing an impact for our organization in a positive light. And this is what it means for us. Uh Yeah. That's a good message up and down the chain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of a, a really a, a wrap up question here because we are um, we could talk about this forever, really. I think, um, <laughs> but um, you know, we purchase a new technology, and and Caleb, we've talked in the last couple of episodes about you know when when you're looking or developing something new and kind of the it's a big commitment, right? It's a financial commitment. So we get, we bring in a new technology into our workplace and we want it to be sustainable. We want it to last um, over 
a, a, you know, ideally a long period of time. Um, so what are the considerations to put in place at this stage, at this implementation stage, yeah. um, to make sure that what we're bringing in is is going to last? You know, what do we need to think about maintenance and support mm -hmm. and how do we rally the, you know, rally the team around that? Yeah, I mean, I think the tech technology is always an iterative process. You know, even the tools that, you know, we have in place, they have updates, they have upgrades, right? Yeah. They have enhancements that they do, new feature releases, right? They, and they all have it on their own schedule at their own time. I think it's key to pay attention to those because if you do, you know, we work on Workday a lot. That's a single tenant, you know, environment. So what they do is Workday says these are the enhancements and then they push it to your environment. If you're not paying attention to that, things can break. Um, and the enhancements are enhancements. So you want to look at it and be like, will that work for my organization? And if so, what do I have to do to implement it? And having just that understanding and paying attention to it um, is critical. I mean, one of my first Workday projects, you know, they brought me in because they were complaining that their Workday system didn't work. Well, they skipped the last six enhancements. Of course, their system didn't work. They right. missed three years of updates, <laughs> right? Like my laptop won't function after three years of not taking updates. So it, it's a, I think just having that understanding, and it's true of, you know, all, again, unless it's an on-prem, uh, on-premise technology, which I don't think exists anymore, there may be one or two out there, it's, you are going to have to deal with and, and plan for upgrades, enhancements, and frankly, some of them are just tweaks. Oh, this moved over here. Okay, adjust this report. Boom. Yeah. Everything's fine. Um, understanding that and paying attention, huge. Or you just hire us and... We'll do it for That's you. That's right. <laughs> Just that easy. It's the easy button. It's right there. That's right. Erin, any thoughts on kind of sustainability and sort of ongoing support? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I would add to what Caleb said is making sure that um, you've got great partnership with your tech. So you can communicate well with one another. And that means sometimes... Um, changing our vernacular to ensure that we understand what each other is talking about. Um, once you get that relationship in place, you'll have individuals that understand that, hey, this enhancement has downstream impact to our end users and we need to bring in change. We need to do new training. Um, but without that relationship, the enhancements could happen and your people are like, wait, what? What, what just happened? So making sure that you've got that great collaboration is really important. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say, I've, I've seen it from the periphery of, of Caleb's work, certainly having worked with him for a number of years, but a lot of the success that I think we saw with a number of clients is when they committed to that, okay, Pulse Go Live, we're embedded in there still helping them with that user training. And to the point you made earlier, Aaron, about, you know, communicating in different ways and it's combo of live things and, and SOPs and whatnot, but that even virtual, that hands-on, uh, and then you can stick it in a library for new hires, whatever. Um, but that, that care and that thought of how we're going to make this stick and last, um, 
is it's critical. It's a big yeah, part. It's definitely not a one and done. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, what a fascinating conversation. I am by no means, you know, going in and programming any of these technologies or anything like that, but I love to talk about it and I love to work on the projects of it. So I am uh, thankful as always to, um, to the two of you um, for joining me for this series. This was our third episode of our series. We have one more left. And um, thanks again so much to Caleb Fullhart and Aaron Perry, both from Cielo. And I encourage our listeners to reach out to both Caleb and Aaron. Their contact information can be found on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with them via the Cielo website. And all of those linkages are on the landing page for this episode. So thank you, Caleb and Aaron. Thank and you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Likewise.